Hi, and welcome to the Rooted in Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Rooted in Language. Our mission is to help all learners become the best readers and writers they can be, both typical learners and those who struggle. We bring you our best understanding of how to teach students grades K through 12 based on the science of reading. I'm Rita Savasco, a speech language pathologist who's been working with struggling learners for four decades. In that time, I've seen a great deal of change in philosophies on parenting and on teaching. Today's episode of the Rooted in Podcast is part two of family culture, choosing what to keep and what to toss aside. A discussion about raising kids and how our parenting views impact our families. To help me with this topic, I invited my sister, Jody Weber. You may have heard our previous podcast with Jody from season two, episode six, when she explained instructional conversation. In that podcast, Jody and I discussed our family of origin and its influence on our conversation skills. In part one of our Choosing What to Keep and What to Toss Aside podcast, Jody and I shared what, what each of us intentionally chose to keep from our original family and how we brought those ideals into our individual homes. In this episode, Jody and I discuss what we each intentionally chose to discard from our original family, including how we each made choices regarding disciplining our children when they were young. Since Jody happens to be an expert on behavior management, she has many insights to share. We discuss discipline and punishment, two words that are now often frowned upon. In context, our intent is to share our belief that we all learn how to become kind and responsible members of society by learning how to be kind and responsible members of a family. We did not know that timeout is now frowned upon. We both challenged this idea as we found it to be an effective and loving way to help our children learn to take a breath and find more productive ways to express their frustrations and their needs. So consider this an opportunity to hear a bit of wisdom from two moms who've raised five now adult children. Just as we discuss what to keep and what to toss aside from our parents, you can listen and then decide for yourself which of our ideas you wish to keep and which you plan to toss aside. So welcome back to Jody Weber. Jody is my sister and we are in part two of what to keep and what to toss aside. Um, Jody and I were talking about um, our family of origins and what we um, valued in them in choosing, making choices about how we wanted our own family's culture to look. Jody and I had just turned to the point of what about our family of origins habits, culture we wanted to toss aside. And we had raised the point about punishment. So just to kick off again, Jody, can you give us again your background here? Because it actually um, had a lot of influence on my decisions. So I um, am an educator. I have uh, degrees in elementary education and special ed. And the special ed certificate spans from pre-K through the 12th grade. My teaching experience was at elementary and high school. Um, and I ended up um, specializing in and getting graduate degrees in 
the area of emotional behavior disorders. Um, so I worked with kids who, due to emotional factors, were not learning and being successful in school and needing some additional support for that. I also um, went on to be a school administrator um, and now am doing professional development for teachers at the University of Georgia. We had gotten to the point in the conversation where we were talking about uh, punishment, consequences, behavior, um, and just for a little background, you know, I mean, there was there was a fair amount of yelling in our house. Yes. I'll start there. Yeah. Um, and it's interesting to this day, mm -hmm. I'm not comfortable with when people are raising their voices. Um, it's not that I'm not firm or or whatever, but I'm not a yeller. And, and that's part of it. You know, it just um, it's a physical reaction for me when someone is is screaming. But then um, there was the go get me the belt. And that was if dad said, go get me the belt. Sometimes you had to go get the belt for yourself. Sometimes you had to go get the belt to be used on one of your siblings. I most, uh, you know, with the belt events, um, you know, were not remarkable, um, but there were a couple that um, were excessive. Yeah, um, were unnecessary, complete. And what's interesting is I cannot ever remember what it was that I did that warranted the belt. The only time that I can remember vividly um, a, a punishing moment is I had had, it was in the third grade, I'd had scarlet fever. And so I'd missed a bunch of school. The first day I went back, it was a uh, social studies test. And of course, I hadn't been there for anything. And the teacher said, don't worry about it. Just take it, do the best you can. Well, I did. I didn't do well. And they counted the, they counted the grade. Wasn't that so nice? on my report card, I had a D. And I never had a bad grade. And mm -hmm. I remember dad sitting on the couch saying to me, I am so disappointed in you. And I just made sure I never had a bad grade again, no matter what, right? So what was interesting to me, you know, as I reflected back, is I couldn't remember what I was being punished for. I don't know what lesson I learned by, you know, being whipped with a belt, but I knew that lesson of my dad talking to me and being disappointed in me that had the impact. So between that and knowing, um, you know, as a teacher, I, here I'm working with kids whose behaviors are everywhere from, you know, manipulative and dysfunctional to aggressive and dangerous. And I never smacked them. You know, I never took off my belt and whipped them. Like, mm -hmm. so there, there had to be a space for my own child. And, and when my, my two-year-old first started tantrums and whatever, it left me in this quandary because, you know, they weren't eight years old where I could reason with them. Couldn't say I'm disappointed in you. <laughs> right. I couldn't say I'm disappointed. But I, but I also didn't want to follow my my family tradition of you know being physical and and again there are plenty of people 
who smack their children without invoking abuse, right. you know, do it in a, in a punishing kind of way. Um, but for me, I, I wasn't fully sure where that line was and I didn't want to find out. So I knew I wanted a different approach for myself as well as for my kids. But what is that? You know, mm-hmm. it, it, all I had in my repertoire was, you know, a, a butt whooping for for a two-year-old. Um, and just a contrast. So I do not have a good temper, an easy temper. I'm I can be quite fiery in my responses. But my husband. Uh, came from a family that also used um, physical punishment, but the relationship between his parents was much different. They had a really solid relationship. Um, yelling and screaming was not a part of you know his household. Uh, they were more quiet. They came at, at punishment in this very reasoned, measured way. And so his view of being spanked was like he absolutely remembered why. Um, he absolutely, you know, was of a mindset that, yeah, this was the time when I had crossed a line or that my sibling had really crossed a line. And so his view of it was like, I think this can be done in a really um, adult way. And so we started out um, spanking. I will tell you that we ended up, both of us deciding that we didn't want to, um, but not because we didn't try it. Um, uh, And we had kind of come to this place that 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 would be the one thing you did when you were in that one moment when you needed to get attention and you needed like you just ran out in the street and I have two other kids I'm holding on to and that was wrong. You need to know this is different than any other time I've talked to you about it. We kind of started coming to that place like anytime there was maybe bodily injury, um, you know, you aren't allowed to bite people. We've talked about this. You're hurting other children. It's not okay. We want you to know this is different than other things we've told you you can't do. Um, you know, we we would try to save it for those moments, which ended up feeling easier for me because now I was in the same boat most of the time that I had to replace it with something. So then swinging back to the examples you were given and, and my saying, you know, you've got to replace the behavior with something else, right? Like we as adults have to find what we're going to replace the behavior with. So instead of smacking, what else can I do is, is kind of the question on the table. So for example, with um, a child biting, um, they can go into timeout even at a very young age in a way that is not uh, dangerous or inappropriate. So for example, um, they go into a high chair in the family room, right where you are, um, and um, there's a timer set um, and you are over and over again saying, I am so sad that you were biting because you were biting, you can't be down here playing you know, oh, I wish you weren't biting because that, it just hurts my heart that you were biting or, or, you know, then eventually, are you, are you ready to come down and not bite? What happens if you bite? You know, so it's a teaching training kind of thing so that if it even looks like they're about to bite, it's like, do you need to 
go back to the high chair because you can't play here if you're going to bite. Um, in terms of running out in front of a car, that is like a horrible moment for anybody. But smacking them for it doesn't prevent that impulsive thing that endangered their life. It's all about backing it up again. Yeah, and more relieves your stress. In it relieves moment. your, but it doesn't solve anything. So like the one person's behavior you control is your own. So then to back that up, what do I need to be doing to keep my child safer around traffic? And there are some kids, you know, there's a reason why these little harnesses are made for little ones. There are some kids who are simply bolters and impulsive. And so they they need to be either held or or hung on to, you know, in some way or in a stroller, strapped into a stroller or or whatever it is. But it it that's a matter of of it backing it up and evaluating what do I need to be doing differently. And it is difficult when you have a child who's physically battling you. You know, so so my oldest, it was very easy for me to say, you need to sit on this step for two minutes because you're two, you know, kind of thing, which isn't very long. And you must sit on this step or you must sit on this chair. Now, again, she wasn't in another room where I couldn't see her. She mm -hmm. might have been in a high chair. She might have been at a chair at the table. She mm -hmm. might have been, you know, um, on a step at the bottom step, right where we all were. Mm -hmm. um, and she was redirected to it if the timer had not gone off, you mm -hmm. know, mm -hmm. um, but she wasn't like physically running away, screaming, no, you can't make me, you know, in which case she would be sitting on the step with me for two minutes, you know, mm -hmm. um, but there's a couple like mantras that Jody used to say, and one was, I would say, you need to put on your shoes. Can you put on your own shoes or do you need me to help you? You like, so there still was a choice, but the end result was you put on your shoes. That was like a thing Jody taught me, you know? And um, the other thing she often would say is, do you want to like these kids when they grow up? And, <laughs> and I thought, you know, that is really true. Like yeah. if, if this, if the whole family has to wait till this kid gets in the car, nobody likes that kid. Yeah. And, and that's not going to translate to, to great adult regulation behaviors. Right. You know, so we can say we just want our kids to be happy. But part of that is gainfully employed. Gain, yeah. I mean, <laughs> yeah, that, that I can have relationships with people that don't only revolve around me. I know how to give. I know how to, mm -hmm. you know, wait my turn. I know how to whatever, you know. Mm -hmm. And uh, I mean, my daughter used to say, you know, the birthday party. She was like, you know, whenever I had a birthday party, you told me that I had to serve everybody else first because they were my guests. But then I would go to other kids' birthday parties and the kid got served first and I still got served last. So everywhere I go, it gets served last. And you're like, and you're fine. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> wah, wah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, wait, that was oh, well, if that's the worst that happens to you, I'm like, gonna, aren't you lucky? Like, like you've learned about <laughs> hospitality that other people haven't. You know what I mean? Exactly. Sorry. You know, this makes you the better person. I don't know. Exactly. So, um, so yeah. But if I can, if I can circle back around though, because I, I, um, think a, a point that you're bringing up here is really important, and that is that, um, this is a matter of training, right? You don't say to your child, "You're going in timeout for two minutes." 
And, and oh, wait, you don't? I guess it timeout doesn't work. No, it's a matter of when sometimes you don't listen to mommy. Mm -hmm. And when that happens, this chair right here, this is going to be timeout. And I'm going to ask you to sit. Show me, can you sit in that chair? Nice. Look how nicely you're sitting in that chair. Here's a timer. I'm going to set the timer and you're going to stay in that chair. And then when it rings, let's listen. Ding. Look, it, now you're allowed to get up. And it's not that the first time they're going to do it. Or they might do it the first time, the second time, and not the third, the fourth, the fifth, the sixth. But the way that behavior modification occurs is it tends to get worse before it gets better, right? They're going to try to break you down. They don't want to have to sit in that chair. So they are going to fight it and make it difficult. And you're going to hang in there with them because you're teaching them that self-regulating behavior and that you are the one in charge, not them. So, which actually is calming. It, it is calming to feel like our worlds are in control. Exactly. They do not want to be in charge as much as they are fighting for it. They, there is safety in knowing that adults are keeping them safe and can intervene even if they're going to push push against that. But then um, after that training occurs and they are able to sit there and, and your formula is right on target, one minute per year of life, using a <laughs> physical timer so that, you know, they have a ding. You know, I used to carry it around in my purse because um, one of my children went into, like I go into a space and I'd say, now, if you need time out, this is where it will be. Because this particular child wondered, what about in the grocery store? And she's not what about at my friend's house. What about? <laughs> I can remember, and I don't even know how old Joel was when you first visited me in DC. Uh-huh. And he was quite the, the stage. I mean, literally, she walks in the house, puts down her suitcase, takes Joel's hand and uh -huh. shows him and looks around and decides where timeout will be uh -huh. and shows Joel. And that was something shocking to me because, you know, you're prepping them for success, right? You're prepping yourself for success. So yeah. instead of waiting till that big emotional moment, right? Um, it, everything's kind of been defined. You have a sense of, of what it's going to be. Well, that was your other mantra was like, nobody can parent from the couch. Mm -hmm. And you know, you know, why, why do we yell? I mean, well, sometimes, mm -hmm. sometimes I will say, and please understand, I'm not the parent who you would want to emulate for never losing her cool. Cause I did lose my core. Um, I mean, why would I yell sometimes just cause I was tired, but when you feel like, hey, I said it twice and you didn't listen to me, then now I'm yelling at you or whatever, um, or you did it again. Well, you know, that was really important for me to hear that, um, you know, like if I yell, and this was what one of the things you helped me see, if I yell, it's because there were a whole bunch of things prior to that, that I really was trying to get away with not doing. Now I might've been trying to get away with it because my first two kids were 18 months apart, right? I'm trying to get away with it because I'm busy changing this child whose poop is going everywhere. And the, you know, young, I mean, there's a lot of good reasons why we can't always be right there. If we're not getting in the moment of that behavior and getting off the couch and getting over there, it's, it's not going to go the same.
And I had to really ask myself, what should I have done there that would have made that situation go differently? Right. And right there, that's that's the bingo moment right there, that you're reflecting, okay, what should I have done? And what am I going to try to do next time to make it better, right? None of us are perfect. None of us are, you know, this um, stellar example of parenting. And, and you can't foresee everything, right? Like just as you get some stage figured out, oh, they yeah. grow and change. <laughs> and there's this new challenge. Or you get the one kid figured out. Oh, this is what I do with the two-year-old. Then the next one comes along. And you're like, oh my God. <laughs> so the example that I always give for my two, at, at some point I did start... They always had chores they had to do um, because I felt that that sense of responsibility, that sense of family, community, all of that really mattered. Um, and then at some point I started adding an allowance to it because I also wanted to start creating this sense of financial literacy. Mm -hmm. So we also, um, you know, they would like deposit it, you know, and, and we had a check register where they would subtract. And so that was all part of this whole- By day. the way, we had dime books in this, you know, yeah. it's not exactly like our childhood, but uh, this is something that I did too. And, and a lot of the things we did the same because I talked to Jody all the time. <laughs> exactly. Now, the really awesome thing is our brothers had dime books saving for college and we had them saving for our weddings. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but we put an end to that. They were used for no, no messaging involved in that. No. None. But anyway, so I had the, the kids were getting money, we're doing chores, whatever. Um, for Joel, if he got in trouble and I gave him more chores to do as punishment, which was a common thing, um, I had the cleanest baseboards ever, let me just say, when my kids were young. Um Joel would like get into it, right? Because he has this real sense of pride in the work that he does and doing it, you know, really well and all of that. So it really wasn't very good punishment. But if I said, you owe me $2, you need to give me $2 for that, you know, as your punishment, he'd be outraged, like that's his money, how could I take it? So you can bet his punishment was having to give me money because that's what he hated, right? For Sarah, if I said, give me your money, give whatever, she'd be like, oh, sure. Do you want more of it? You could have 10, like, that's okay. But if I made her do a chore, oh my God, you'd think I was killing her, which is exactly what I wanted, right? Mm -hmm. The whole point is it's punishing, not not rewarding, not not neutral. You yeah, it's, want it's them a, to hate it. It's a consequence. And you know, the flip side of that is, you know, you can't have a consequence for everything. Like you still need to have the conversation that I love you no matter what. Exactly. And I think that's when you get into with older and older kids, like it's, it's, it's clear you can't bite your name. I mean, those things were easy for me. Those were easier for me. You know, you need right. to put on your shoes when it's time to go. You right. need to, you can tell, getting your shoes on and getting in the car was like a big thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Three of you, please, dear God, get in the car. Get your shoes on. <laughs> well, also, I had a story of a, a friend of mine that um, I tried to befriend her. Quite honestly, we ended up all splitting ways because even my children didn't want her children at the house. Yeah. It exhausted me. Um, 
she could never get her oldest son in the car. And the very last time I ever invited her over, um, she decided she had this new strategy where she would keep the van door open and she would say, we're leaving you. And she would slowly back out the car oh and God. he, until he came running and screaming when he thought oh she was God. really leaving him. And then I was like going, no, 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 no. And then he jumped in the car oh and God. then she closed the door and drove away. So much. He wasn't me. even in a, I mean, I thought I said, I think I probably called you and told you this, like, so you're endangering him yeah. and communicating, I will leave you and abandon you yeah. because you don't want to figure out how yeah. to make that kid get in the car when he needs to go. Oh, it's hard to breathe even hearing that story. So, so I always kind of throw that out is that to me was like, okay, so in my children's lives, no matter their age and stage, yeah. that is my example of if you're not figuring it out, you could accidentally be communicating. Mm -hmm. I will leave you. I don't love you. Mm -hmm. And you could leave them in danger, mm -hmm. <laughs> you know? And so as mm -hmm. teenagers, I would say to my kids, first, I want you to know that I'm never giving up on you. I am mm -hmm. angry right now. Mm -hmm. What you're doing is not wise. Mm -hmm. It cannot continue. Mm -hmm. But I love you, even though I am really furious this happened. Mm -hmm. I love you and I am not giving up, mm -hmm. but I am also not going to let you hurt yourself. Mm -hmm. and, 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 you know, that is exactly I, I love that you're kind of swinging it back around to that that conversation, because that is also the key to time out is that conversation afterwards. So it is as soon as they come out of time out, you hug them tell them you love them and then say, why did I put you in timeout? And they have to tell you right now when they're two, you're more telling them, right? Like it's, it's a, it's a supported conversation, but when they're older, um, if they're not telling you why they went in timeout, they're not ready to come out of timeout. You know, apparently you're going to need to go back in timeout and think about why you were in timeout. Um, and, and so then it can start again, but they need to be able to come out and say, because, you know, I hit my brother and that's right. And why, why, why don't we do that? You know, tell me what was happening between the two of you, you know, whatever, here's, here's how, you know, I want us handling that. Do you think you could do that? Is there anything else I need to know? You know, okay. But hitting is not okay. It's not ever okay. Um, you know, so there's that sort of learning piece, everybody, you can't be in the cognitive and the affective domain at the same time. So you can't be both thinking and spiraling emotionally simultaneously. So the timeout gives that moment to calm the affect and to engage the thinking. And then the conversation afterwards is all about that, really talking through that. But there is that physical, if you're a physical person, I am. So it's a big hug, as well as the I love you, you know, that reassurance that nothing you ever do is so much so big that it takes away my love for you. But you're not allowed to hit. Mm -hmm. So stop it. <laughs> Don't do and, that. And, and, you know, 
um, some kids have a harder time with the regulating their emotions than others, right? right. So, so I, at what age did you work with when you were working with kids who were learning how to regulate their emotions and you're in a school environment? And so the nice thing about putting this frame around the school environment is, you know, there's a protocol. There's only so many things that you have control over. Mm -hmm. Kind of like an adolescent, actually, you know, we only have, we, we can't always control all the influences on our kids, right? And, and, and mm -hmm. trying to control that is not a healthy thing, even though sometimes we may need boundaries around certain influences. Um, you know, what, what does that look like? Mm -hmm. When you have kids who are really emotional. It, it is very similar, right? And I worked with kids from from four to 18. And I would say that the younger the kid, the more physical and, and uh, the, the bigger the response, because as kids get older, they're, uh, they, can, they can impact with smaller movements, like a desk flying across the room is just one kind of simple movement, right? That you've experienced. <laughs> where, where a four-year-old falling apart is gonna, you know, potentially rip apart the room, you know, mm -hmm. and everything. Mm -hmm. um, they they have uh, fewer um, uh, social constraints. They're less concerned about being embarrassed or what their peers mm -hmm. think oh, yeah. of them, mm -hmm. you know, than, than older kids. So um, the, the most difficult ones are the younger ones. Um, and, but nonetheless, you're not going to have a conversation with them while they're falling apart. Like what you have to do is keep them safe and keep those around them safe. So in a school, sometimes that means emptying the classroom. The kids all, somebody takes the kids and they all go out to recess. Mm -hmm. While you bring that child, you know, to a space where um, they are calmer. And then the first thing is get them water reassure them and then let's let's go so you know that your friends can get back to class and you and I can talk about what's going on mm -hmm. now that doesn't mean then there are consequences afterwards right but um they're they're in a crisis they're scared they're emotionally distraught and then they need some of those primary reinforcers like water and a quiet, comfortable space and a chance to breathe and be reassured to go forward. And so if you have, say, an arguer, you know, who's really in this emotional state and kind of, you know, I, you know, talking, 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 right? And uh, these are some of the things I've dealt with, you know, trying to get to that calm moment is very difficult. Because um, being quiet yourself can, they can just continue to spiral and, and kind of, or escalate maybe. Um, mm -hmm. And then trying to um, get a time out for mm -hmm. even for everyone, right? Just a, a calming moment. So I'm picturing more like a, a maybe 13 year old or something mm -hmm. um, can be difficult because they they can keep coming at 
right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And I have found, again, that sometimes um, replacing the behavior with another behavior um, can be useful. So it might be pen and paper. It might be um, crayons and paper. You know, the I'm going to give you a moment here. You can keep talking if you'd like, or you can draw or write some of your frustrations. And then as soon as you're ready to talk with me um, without being rude or yelling at me, um, then I'd like to hear what you have to say. I'd like to find out what's going on and how I can help because there must be some things that I'm not understanding right now. You know, and, and again, um, the tone of voice matters, right? Like mm -hmm. that's the tone of voice. That's the mm -hmm. that sort of, um, you're, you're lending them your calm. Mm -hmm. um, Even when you may be angry, because that's what, oh, God, yeah. I mean, you have your own child coming at you. Yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. you're angry. And yeah. they're, they're saying terrible things, you know, yeah. <laughs> possibly. And, yeah. and yet, if you don't learn how to express frustration without attack, without right. the verbal attack or whatever, you know, or physical right. possibly, but um, certainly, you know, a verbal attack can be damaging too. And so you want them to learn how to do that in a way right. that's productive for everyone. Right. And also an assumption, um, again, that sort of assume goodwill thing, like they don't actually mean all of that. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? They're lashing out. They're purposefully pushing. They're being inappropriate to make you angry. Yeah. And they may believe it in the moment because they're full of a bunch of emotion. Right. That's really important what you just said. And, you know, it can be hard, too, because sometimes your child is attacking your spouse, say, for example. And that can be difficult because, you know, you're getting like uh, defensive on their behalf. Right. I mean, we have our emotions that and the older your kids get, the better they are at, at getting that, you know. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, we all have our different levels of um uh, acceptance. So in my household, um, my husband just doesn't hear that kind of thing. He wouldn't hear tone of voice. Like they would be using a tone of voice with him that was completely inappropriate. And I would wait for him to react. And he just didn't because he didn't hear it. And, and I would be like, you know, whoever, get up here and talk to me. <laughs> you, know? you will not speak to your father that way. Blah, blah, blah. And then I would say to Eric afterwards, why, why do you allow that? And he's like, allow what? I don't think it's, but I don't know if that's, um, you know, being in schools, like being surrounded by so many kids, knowing a tone of voice, or if my bar is just in a different space, but our children were not going to use that tone of voice, not with me, not with somebody else, not with being called on it. But for Eric, it it didn't register for him, you know, and, and that's that's an interesting space also. You kind of also get to this thing, too, that um, your spouse is not going to do everything like you. Mm -hmm. And... Um, 
and again, there were times I felt, you know, that Rick would be picky about something that I did not care about. You know, I had confidence in him that he was not hurting them, abusing them, um, you know, had the same goodwill, blah, blah, blah. I didn't have to agree with everything. Right. That also didn't mean that we didn't go off and have private conversations when we felt maybe we needed to help wheel one, the other one back, you know, right. um, I would get too personal. I would take things too personally. And I really needed my spouse to say, this is over the top. You need to let this go. He could be too picky, say, you know, over something um, or maybe shut them down too soon and not give them the space, you know, especially as they got older to, to have a voice. Um, those are things we definitely had to teach each other. And you can't always see it in the moment. I mean, kids are clever. We, well, yeah. And we have very intimate relationships with them, you know, and, and, you know, we, you did, like, I can remember saying to you when my kids were in their adolescent years, I just thought as long as I was calm and rational, everyone would stay calm and rational. But turns out, you know, an adolescent isn't necessarily calm and rational. No, there's lots no. of things you can't rationalize about. And the other thing that I always say, marvel at, is kids are like squirrels at a bird feeder. <laughs> they just want what they want, right? And they don't care how they're going to get it. If getting it through mom, fine. Getting it through dad, fine. Yelling at mom, fine. Praising dad, fine. Like sneaking out, sneaking around, fine. Yeah. Right? Using a sibling to cover, like they don't care. <laughs> it's not. It's nothing personal. They just want what they want. Like that's just like we did, right? Oh my gosh, my son. He would be so kind and sweet. Yeah. And, and constantly do things that made me crazy. Yeah. Nicest guy in the whole world. Yep. <laughs> but he was, man. He was a squirrel at the bird feeder. Yeah. He just wanted to go do these things. Yeah. Yeah. And I use, you know, most of my behavior examples, Joel, because he was my first. Right. So he's the one that I was like figuring everything out on. And And he was, yeah, much more blatant. But Sarah um, was like that. You know, it was it was the quiet thing. It was the two in the morning shoe dropping (laughs) for, for for her that you know would would be but to your point about um the spouse that's exactly right and and a critical piece there is that you respect those differences mm-hmm. right um things like i was not going to allow you know the kids to use a bad tone of voice with anybody like mm-hmm. I, didn't, I didn't care didn't matter who it was mm-hmm. i just wished eric could hear it and deal with it himself Mm-hmm. But I was happy to jump in if he could not. But there were plenty of other things that I was bouncing off of him to say, what do you think about this? And he would say, you know, I, I, I'm i not concerned about it. I think this is okay. And as they got older, I really took my lead from him mm-hmm. because I felt like um, I needed to make sure I wasn't losing perspective that I was still one time Joel said to me what's the point of being so good when still everything I asked to do you tell me no and I thought "Ooh, you know what he's right like he he has earned my trust so I need to now 
loosen. You know, I one time read parenting is like you're holding a, a coil of rope, you know, and when they're little, you have that rope real tight in your hands and you start loosening it, loosening, loosening. They show they're not ready. You tighten it, you loosen, you loosen. Um, but if you keep it real tight all the time, you're doing them a real disservice and they're going to rebel big, right? So you've got to be able to loosen that as they show they're ready. But that's a hard space too. Like, well, there's a lot of fear. Your fear. <laughs> yeah. You're just like, oh my God, what are they going to be doing? Mm -hmm. And yet, if there isn't anything that indicates, you have a reason. It's just like what you saw in the news or what you heard somebody's friend or whatever. That's not fair to apply that to your child. But um, I, I really did turn to Eric for advice during those years. Mm -hmm. And and he really um, took the lead in many, many ways throughout their adolescence. Mm -hmm. Right. Well, what to keep and toss aside. I mean, I think when it comes to uh, consequences, um, discipline, those are things that we come at with a lot of our emotion of being the kid mm -hmm. um, on when we're looking at our family of origin. And then suddenly mm -hmm. we're the adult. And the easiest thing to do is to do what you saw. Yeah. And, um, and we have to be so thoughtful Mm -hmm. Um, and, and, and yet we are generational, right? We, mm -hmm. we have certain expectations and the next generation may have completely different ones. Mm -hmm. And, and there's some wisdom in those old generations, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, I can remember you and I having this conversation about who gets served first, the kids mm -hmm. or the adults. And have we somehow lost that sense that you have any, <clears throat> you know, you have respect for people who are elderly or that you, um, you, you, um, you're, you're not the first one in the room, you know, you're, you know how to, um, clear your dishes off the table and, and, you know, it's interesting. My kids have all, um, gone into adult life being completely comfortable cleaning a room, doing their own laundry, doing the dishes. Do they want to any more than I do? No. You know, do they do it just like me? Some do more. <laughs> mm -hmm. some do less mm -hmm. but um they they knew how to do it mm -hmm. they knew how to share a room mm -hmm. you know there's lots and of you and you taught that you taught into that and that's that thing about um discipline also I guess is is the takeaway that that I want is um discipline consequences it's not a one-off it's a process it's you a know process. and you've got to yeah. invest time and energy into it but you know they won't be going into timeout when they're 30 yeah. <laughs> if you're doing it when they're five right like they were in jail yeah, i mean i can't even really remember timeout i mean there would be a you know you need to chill in your room for a little while and then we'll talk or something but it wasn't like i've set the timer to 16 because you're 16 right i, I mean you know, but also, can you take my car when you just did this, when you had my car last time? Uh, nope. You know, so. so. And to that point, that is timeout, like as, as yeah. they get older or depending on the, the thing, like if um, the Frisbee 
is causing the problem, then the played with Frisbees, a problem, then the Frisbees going into timeout, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. And then as they get older, you know, no, you're not going to drive the car. You know, you're grounded. Mm -hmm. You're, you um, can walk instead of, instead of driving until, you know, I see your grades are up or whatever it is. So, so timeout can take different manifestations depending on the age and the circumstances. And there's still always the conversation of why and the conversation of what were you thinking? Eggs. What were you feeling? But these are my expectations. These are my expectations, right? And um and then you know the other thing to remember is that's all foundational. And then they grow up and yeah. the rest of their maturation is yeah. not in our hands. Yeah. Yeah. That's exactly right. I mean, I kind of feel like I didn't really grow up till I was like 35. Yeah, yeah. Well, I have to say, for everything that you did or didn't do, you've raised three remarkable children. Well, and you have and I am <laughs> proud to to be their aunt. That you know, they're all as as our mom, you know, put high value on being a good citizen, which yes. we used to roll our eyes and laugh about. But you know what? It matters. It matters to be a good citizen, and it matters that our children have grown up to be good citizens, and and that they know how to talk to people and they know how to have relationships. I mean, these are the things that are um, that are there for them. And now I'm in this role of having to you know, be the grandparent and like, I don't get to say everything I think. And, yeah. um, and, you know, mostly it's been easy because uh, they're so young, you know, really with the baby, it's all just about just keep loving them. And then now, just now the behaviors are kind of starting to, to shift a little bit where you're starting to say, huh, maybe this, you know, is now time to intervene. And so it'll be interesting to see if they ask me anything. <laughs> I was going to say, I hope they have the wisdom to at least bounce ideas off of you, right? Yeah. Whether they fully take your advice or not, um, to be a, a think partner, yeah, you know, in, in this child rearing and, and health um, issues and, and all of that, because they're the only person who loves a child almost as much as the parents or the grandparents. Yeah. So, you know, anything that comes out of your mouth is out of love and experience mm -hmm. and, and maybe a, a, that third perspective, you know? And, yeah. And even if we didn't take everything uh, that was ever said to us, you know, to be done exactly in the same way, it did trigger thoughts that led oh, yeah. to better decisions on our parts. Uh, so let's end with that thought. I love those words, being a think partner. So mm -hmm. I don't think you can have too many think partners. That mm -hmm. should be a very small list of people. Mm -hmm. um, there should be people who truly, you believe, are doing this out of love, uh, combined with some decent experience and wisdom. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think it can be everything that comes across upon across the Instagram, right? Mm -hmm. Um and and even if there is someone we like following, we're not going to do everything they say. It's not going to resonate with us. Right. You know? yeah. Um but yeah, yeah, who are your think partners? Try mm -hmm. to have a couple. Hopefully yeah. your spouse is one of them. 
Uh, and if you're lucky, your mother is another one. Yes. Yes. <laughs> and if you're lucky, you have a great sister like me. I mean, oh. let me just tell you, when my kids say, what do I do with this behavior? I'm going to say, call Aunt Jody. <laughs> <laughs> Well, Aunt Jody will have an opinion. You know that. She will have an opinion. It'll probably be a decent one. No guarantees on that. But you will require you to do some work. You know, this is not going to be easy. Um, yeah, I used to tell Jody she should start like a hotline, you know. You were my hotline. That's for sure. And you were mine. Thank God. Thank God for you. Right. Yeah. So anyway, thank you for joining me today. Oh, it was fun. It is not easy raising kids. It is not. It is. But it is pretty. And it brings out the best and worst in us too. You know, there's mm -hmm. a lot of our own stuff we have to deal with in the mm -hmm. midst of raising kids. But mm -hmm. um, certainly is, you know, one of life's great endeavors. So um, thank you. And we will thank talk again, you. I'm sure. All right. I love you. Bye. Remember that we are rooted in language. Do follow us on Facebook. We have free videos on YouTube. We have blogs at rootedinlanguage.com. And uh, we run uh, office hours once a month where you can come and ask your questions. So if you're following us on Facebook or Instagram, you will see uh, that that is available. And we are really here to help you uh, you know, be the educator your children need and, and help them be um, the, the best readers and writers they can be in the future. So we appreciate your support. Bye. Bye. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the Rooted in Podcast. At Rooted in Language, we believe learning happens best in relationship and the family culture we each create influences our children's growth and development. Let's be intentional in how we raise our kids. As always, we appreciate your listening and your support. Be sure to follow us on social media, including Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube, as well as your favorite podcast platform. But when you like our podcasts and videos, and when you share them with your friends, you help others find our information. Also, be sure to visit and share our website, rootedinlanguage.com. You can help us help others. Thanks so much.